This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, it's obviously, Dad talked about, been quite a few couple of days here in the, in the California region. And, uh, and you know, I was uh, some of the young adults group, we were texting on Friday night after that happened. We had a little group chat going there. A bunch of you guys were in it. And, uh, you know, just it really came to my mind that uh, obviously we all were fully aware that God didn't send earthquakes to us here. But at the same time, I mean, when you can see the power that's out there, when you can see the the, the power that's potentially there for destruction. And I, I, I was just telling them, man, if I was someone sitting on the fence playing games with God, I'd just go ahead and jump on into the boat. I'd cross that line and I'd go full, fully make Jesus not only my Savior, but make him my Lord. I, I'd give it all to Jesus and I would abide under the uh, shadow of the Most High. I would take it serious and I'd quit toying around with God. And and obviously not everybody uh, is, uh, for whatever reason, uh, at that place where they're ready to really do that. But uh, I'm just telling you, man, what a time we live in. And and God's good. And I'm going to stick as close to him as I possibly can. I'm going to abide under that shadow. Um, and before I'm going to get into the message here. And I believe God's going to change some lives today. Uh, they wanted me to kind of remind you and just let you know that with all of the, you know, that, that earthquake stuff going on, that our church is fully prepared. We do have a good uh, emergency evacuation plan and all that great stuff. And if there ever was some sort of an emergency, you would get directions right here from the pulpit. Lawrence and Robert would come up and direct people out. The kids are ready to go. So you have nothing to worry about there. Uh, they're fully trained. The staff is fully ready and uh, for anything that would ever come. But praise God. Hey, we got the angels of God all around this place because we're here. Amen. And it's not just here at this house, but it's at my house and your house because the angel of the Lord is a guard and he surrounds and defends all who fear him. Psalm 34, 7. Can I get an amen today? Amen. Well, we're going to be talking this morning about uh, freedom. And and there's a book I just wanted to briefly show you from the bookstore that's changed my life and many others. It's called The Believer's Authority by Kenneth Hagin. And you hear us talk about Kenneth Hagin a lot, but this is the key book that he wrote that really... Uh, changed so many lives and uh, it's changed my life and uh, even last night you know I go to bed every night Katie and I listening to preaching or listening to the word of God every night 365 nights a year and on leap years we do that extra day too and make it 366 and uh, and last night I went to sleep listening to this message the believer's authority and I tell you what man I slept so good just like I do every night woke up ready to take on a new day but this book would go along great with what we're discussing today and the title of the message today is this dear ex you don't own me and uh, it's kind of an interesting title and it's uh you know i, I did a series on this uh, many years ago for the youth group and i'm going to explain what this means if you need an outline raise your hand and the ushers will give you one um i got this title from uh actually from a christian rock band that i like that performed at this church many years ago called disciple they had a song called dear ex you don't own me. And what does that mean? What is X? Well, I can tell you this much, and I've been around and you've been around, that everybody on this earth, if you were born into planet Earth, you have something or some things or somebody that tries to 
control you and own you. You're like, man, no, I don't. No one owns me. I'm American. America. Well, yes, of course, you know, you're free. I get that. And I appreciate that. But I'm telling you right now that there is something that tries to control you. And and whether you're willing to admit it or not, my goal today is for you to, you know, actually open your eyes and see that, that some people are totally controlled maybe by rage or anger or or some people maybe, you know, we our mind usually instantly goes to some sort of substance abuse, and that's the case. But I know a whole lot more people that are controlled by greed or lust or pornography, or rage, or anger, or, or a, a whole host of other things. I know a lot more people that are controlled and possessed by those things than I do substance abuses, although that is a real thing. But what I want you to realize today is, is that whatever it is that's tried to have a stronghold in your life, it does not have the right to do that anymore. Some people are controlled by fear. I know people that are so ashamed of their past that it dictates their future. And Jesus said, I forgave you already, man. I forgave you. And, and, when, and when he forgives, he forgets. He says in the book of Isaiah that I will blot out your transgressions. I'll blot out your sins and I will never think of them again. And so I'm telling you, if there's a sinful past, if there's something that's gone on in your past and you truly repented, none of this, oh, God, I'm sorry, and, you know, and then give the nod to God and move on with. I'm talking about you truly repented and you quit it, man. And then it keeps coming back to you. That's not God bringing it up. That's the devil. Because God said, when I forgive you, I will never think of that again. And he's not going to bring it up. So I know some people are sitting there, man, God just keeps reminding me today of what I did. And that's not God. That's the devil. And he's trying to come in and ruin your life. But you need to realize that shame does not own me anymore. Fear does not own me anymore. Embarrassment and and, and all these things that try to come in and gain control of your heart and your mind It doesn't have to own you anymore if you realize what the scripture says. And we're going to look at a lot of stuff today, but I know this week, you know, we celebrated freedom. And and I tell you what, I I'm I'm just going to be flat. I love the United States of America. And I said, you know, and I say it all the time, but I'm I'm so serious about this, man. I've been to some other countries and it stunk. I spent some time in Russia. It was awful, man. It was terrible. I hated it there. And, and you know, I, I was there on missions work and stuff, but it was awful. And I've been to other countries, and I'm not putting down on them. We as people are not inherently better than them, but the, 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 the principles that this country was founded on are a whole lot better because it was founded on the Bible, whether you believe that or not. And, yes, there's been mistakes, and, yes, there's been things that weren't right, but there's been a whole lot that is right. And I am so thankful that I live in the United States because physically I have freedom. And everybody in here, you're physically, you do have freedom right now, but there's a whole lot of people that are bound mentally, emotionally, even some people, and this is the worst, they're spiritually bound and there's no reason for that to happen because Jesus made a way out of that. 
And, you know, and I know I, I've got some notes here. I, I said this Wednesday, I have no idea how much I'm going to get through here because my goal is for the Lord to reach some people today. And if it has nothing to do with anything that I studied and wrote down, I'm fine with that. My goal is for some people to get their eyes open and get set free today because if there's one thing I hate, I hate seeing somebody that's a born again Christian child of God being held a captive to the devil. Being be, being depressed and hurt and wounded and, 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 and going through the same vicious cycle over and over again, an abusive cycle from the devil when Jesus already came and, and, and took care of everything. But today could be your day for those people that will open their hearts to the word of God. I make no promises to anybody uh, that that's not going to really approach God's word with an open heart and an open mind and just be a, be an open book to the Lord. If, if that's not you, I have no idea. You know, you'll probably walk out of here the exact same way you walked in. But if you're here and you're willing to open up your heart really to the Lord and say, come on, do something to me. Give me the truth. Today's your day. Because Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. Now, a lot of people, they misquote Jesus and say, well, the truth will set you free. That's not what Jesus said. He said, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. And if you'll get a hold of this word today and you'll know the truth of God's word, you'll be set free. And some of the things that have held you back, the same mistakes that you repeat over and over again, today could be that day. To break free and walk out of that prison that's held you for all this time. Today could be your day. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I, I want to come to you again in prayer. I know we already prayed, God, but I want to do it again. And Lord, I pray today that as we approach your word, Lord, that we'll do it with the right heart. That, that we'll be open to receiving from you today, God, and that every person in here will, will have that, that, that teachable heart, Lord, that, that humble and gentle spirit that can receive from you, God, and you can really do what you had intended to do today. And Lord, we just ask that your word have free course on this day in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. And so as we move through this, I need you to personally and individually identify what X is in your life and determine how we're going to deal with that. And so I'm going to talk to you about three reasons why X does not own you anymore. And the first reason is this. Number one, Jesus bought you so you belong to him. Jesus literally purchased you. Well, how much did that cost? Well, it wasn't money. It wasn't, it was, there was no currency exchange. It was something a lot more valuable than, than, than gold than silver, than the United States dollar, he bought you with something that, that money can't even put a price tag on. And so I want to open our Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. And man, the, the Lord, he, he really wants to do something today. I, I know that. And, you know, usually I like to joke around and have a little fun, get a little rowdy. And maybe that'll happen. I don't know. But what I do know is this, is that that this is the day that God really wants to, to do something in somebody's life. Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14, and it tells us this. It says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, 
who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And so it says it right there. I'm not making this up. I'm not just not something that sounds cute. It says right there that Jesus literally came and purchased our freedom. You have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his dear son. And have you ever been in a position and in a a spot in life, a place in life, maybe physically you've been stuck somewhere or just emotionally or spiritually, you've been stuck and you were in such a place that you no longer had the ability to get yourself out of it. You were, I mean, you were, it was beyond your control at this point. Maybe you got stuck out in the desert somewhere physically. Maybe you've been stuck somewhere else in some other way, but you've been in a position where you, you couldn't get yourself out of it flat out. Every single one of us has been there, at least spiritually. But I can tell you this. I've been there physically. I've been there spiritually and, and whatever whatever other ways. There is no feeling in this world like the feeling of being rescued when you were in a hopeless spot. Somebody? You've been in a place where it was beyond your power and control. You did everything you could do, and you still couldn't get out of it. And then somebody came, some some hero, somebody, maybe it was AAA, maybe it was somebody else, maybe whatever it was, but somebody came and got you out of the mess that you were in and rescued you. I've been there and there is no greater feeling in this world than being rescued out of a bad situation that you did not want to be in. Somebody came and got you out of that situation. And, you know, I was I was thinking you know, this year was the 75th anniversary of D-Day. You know, it was June 6th of this year was the 75th anniversary of when the Allied troops, and I've got a lot of military guys in here, so I'm not going to embarrass myself. You know a lot more than me, but I at least have the ability to look things up on the Internet. And so uh, on June 6th, 1944, man, the Allied forces landed over there in France because this people, these people, They were in a situation that they could not get out of. The Nazi forces, the most evil people, had shown up and absolutely taken control of them. They were in a spot that they couldn't get out of, and they needed a hero. They needed somebody to come and get them out of this mess. And so, what's up? Here we come. Somebody called for deliverance? Here we go. And so the Allied forces show up on June 6, 1944, and they storm five different beaches, right? And the, the most dangerous one we hear about is Omaha Beach. But what got me, I'm, I'm watching programs on this and all this stuff. That one, one thing that I saw said that they, they knew there was going to be heavy casualty. They weren't just, this was going to be a bad, bloody, Mess, no matter which way you looked at it. They'd been bombing it, the Air Force or whatever, for a while to try to take care of a bunch of stuff. But no, there was no way around it. A bunch of people were going to have to die for a bunch of other people. And so I saw this thing. It said that they told the troops it probably won't be until the third or fourth wave of guys that you actually make it up the beach. I'm like, and we're talking about like 18-year-old kids that, you know, 17, 18-year-old kids that are going to go. And it's probably not going to be until the third or fourth batch of you that you actually make it up there. You're probably going to step off of this and die for a bunch of people that you've never met. 
that will never know you may, you know, hopefully they'll thank you. I don't know. But you're probably going to step off of here and get totally annihilated. But you, somebody has to do it. So then the next wave can get up there and we can get rid of this enemy. Like, whoa. You know, and, and when I think about that, I'm like, my gosh. We've heard it said, but it's more than just a cliche. Freedom isn't free. Somebody, somebody had to pay for it. Now, you know, we get a lot of people that get free stuff in our day and age. Like, oh, cool. Listen, somebody somewhere had to pay for that stuff, right? And, you know, the, 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 the freedoms and the things that we have today, we're like, that's cool, man. This is great. Hey, it is great, but it wasn't free. Somebody somewhere paid for it. And you need to realize that not, not only with our American freedoms, but spiritually speaking, the freedom and the peace and the joy that we can have in the Lord. Someone paid for that somewhere. It didn't come free. Somebody paid for that. And it was Jesus. When he went and took that cross, it said he disregarded its shame. Because as Christians, we see the cross as this beautiful symbol of, of, of peace. Man, the cross is a disgusting, gnarly thing. The grave, you know, the, the resurrection, that's beautiful. But the cross, that was the most embarrassing, shameful thing that anybody could ever see. We see the cross and, and we should. We wear it on necklaces. You should. We put it on, you know, or every. we should. We're Christians. It reminds us. But it's not pretty. It's the most embarrassing thing of death ever because only bad people get crucified back in that day. And people knew what it meant. You know, the Romans, they were such experts at torture. They would, I mean, they'd have, they'd have executions all the time. They'd line the streets going into town with people hanging on crosses. And so when Jesus was going to go to the cross, people weren't like, oh, the cross. They were like, the cross? What? Bad people die on the cross? No. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to do it anyway. I've got to do it this way. This has to be the way that I do this. And the book of Hebrews says he disregarded the shame and embarrassment that that would bring. His own mother stood there in the crowd and watched her son, 33 years old, hanging pretty much naked in front of a horde of people dying and grasping for his last breaths. What a way to die. Talking about not dying with any dick. That is a bad way to die right there. But Jesus, no, 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 nobody wanted to do that. But Jesus volunteered to do that. He said, no one's taking my life from me. I'm laying my life. I'm giving it away. And so what I'm trying to drive home is that Jesus bought you. According to Colossians 1, you were purchased. You belong to him now. The price was paid for freedom. Then why aren't you free just yet? You've got to receive this stuff, man. You've got to believe in it. You've got to accept it. You know, I, I, I read this story about this, this little boy was walking down the street with this old beat-up bird cage with two birds he had captured. And, and he put them in there. And he's walking down the street just kind of banging it around like this. And a, a pastor was walking down the street. And he says, oh, what, do you, what, what you got there? He's like, oh, a couple of dumb old birds. Okay, well, well what's going on? What are you going to do with them? Why, why do you have these birds? He's like, I was going to play with them for a while, probably torture them, then kill them. They're worthless. And, and, and the pastor says, what? 
you're just going to do that to them? And he says, yeah, there's, you know, nasty old birds. i got nothing else to do. I'm just going to mess around with them and kill them. He says, well, how much did you pay for that bird cage? The little kid said, I got it for $5 down there at the pawn shop. He says, okay, I'll give you $50 right now for the cage, but the birds go with me. And the kid said, you're crazy. You're $50, they aren't worth that. They're worthless. He said, I don't care. I'll take it. He gives the kid 10 times what he had paid for it. He gets it, sets the birds free and lets them go. And like, well, well, I mean, how, what's what's up with that? That's crazy. Well, it, it kind of ties in. Listen to me about what Jesus did for us, because the price that was paid for us was far more than what we're worth. At least me. I don't know about you. I'm not worth the blood of Jesus on my own. No way. I was. I mean, the only perfect person to ever come into this world. And he's going to die for all the imperfect and bad people. Yet that's what Jesus did. Satan had us in a cage, man. He had a hold on us. He just wanted to torture us, mess around with us until the day that we died. But Jesus came in and said, no, I'll, I'll pay ten times. I'll pay a thousand times what you paid for him. Just give him to me so I can set him free. And that's what Jesus did. You were bought with a price. You are not a mistake. You are you got to see yourself as having some value. Jesus thought you were so valuable that he would trade his life for yours. I don't get it either, but it's the absolute truth. And that's what Jesus did. So he bought you, which means you're his, you're his property. And if Satan is messing around with you, he's a trespasser. And I'm a redneck. I come from the woods. And when someone trespasses on your property, you do something about it. Come on, somebody. Maybe you don't understand that out here, but but you don't let somebody come onto your property. All right. So let's look at this. Second Peter, chapter two, second Peter, chapter two. Man, I want you to get this today that there is there is no reason in this world why you should have to keep going through the same mess that you've gone through all these years. Today's a new day. Today's the day for you to be set free. Second Peter chapter two. Second Peter chapter two. And we're going to look at verses. Uh, well, verse 19 here. Second Peter chapter two. And man, I think sometimes you don't appreciate freedom until you, you know, you haven't actually been free or until you can see uh, somebody that's not free. But man, freedom. Second Peter chapter two and verse 19. And there's a very key uh, truth in this verse. It says right here, they promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Wow. I, I mean, that flew over a lot of your heads, but I just want to repeat that last line right there. You are a slave To whatever controls you. There are people right now, 2019, right here, people even in this room that are slaves to something that controls them. According to scripture, New Testament, we're not making this up. You're a slave to whatever controls you. And I found out a long time ago, I don't want anybody or anything controlling me other than Jesus. Nothing. And I mean, you're laughing at this. This this is kind of funny, but it's the truth. I did years ago. I I really got to the place where I loved Mountain Dew. Oh, I would do the Dew. 
all day, every day. I mean, just drinking it nonstop. And, and I, I realized, like, man, I'm like, I'm getting addicted to this stuff right here. And, and, and it was so bad that if I didn't have, I, we, me and my friends, we called it the Fountain Mountain because you'd go get a fountain drink at, at Circle K, get the Polar Pop, the fountain, you know, get the, the Fountain Mountain. If I didn't have a Fountain Mountain, man, my, I would just, my, my mouth would start water. I'm like, man, I need to get me some Mountain Dew. I, I scrap, you know, and I'd, I'd head down there. But I realized, like, whoa. Time out. Mountain Dew is like controlling this guy right here. And it's, you know, it's not a sin. It's not some, you know, I wasn't out being a drunkard or it wasn't, you know, it's not an illegal thing. But it was controlling me where it told me, oh, you've got to have me. You've got to get down there and spend some money on me right now. You've got to have this to feel better. You've got to have this. And so every day, man. Hitting the fountain mountain, just getting me a mountain every day, several times a day. And finally, I'm like, you know what? This is starting to kind of control me. This is kind of starting to tell me that I have to have it. Nobody owns this guy except for Jesus. He purchased me. Mountain Dew didn't. And surely no illegal substance did. Absolutely not. Thank God I haven't gone there. But what I'm saying is this. Nothing is going to own me. And so the last sip of Mountain Dew I had was Memorial Day 2012. I've never even, I've never, never sniffed this stuff again. And I'm not saying that it's bad, but I stay, you know what I mean? Nothing's going to control me except for Jesus Christ because I let him and I submit to him. And so it says right here, plain as day, not making it up, not, not, we're not even stretching this verse one ounce, that you're a slave to whatever controls you. Romans 6.16, flip there quickly. Romans 6.16, because I'm going to establish this fact more than one verse. And we've got more, but I just chose two. Romans 6.16. Nothing and nobody should control you except Jesus. And that's because you submit your life to him. Romans 6.16, it tells us this. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? So some people are in voluntary slavery. Whatever you have chosen to obey, you become the slave of it. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. And so this, everybody in here could agree with this, but just so I feel better about me. Have you ever been on this? I mean, you've you've seen both angles. You've seen that slavery to sin. You've you've lived there and it was not pleasant. Anybody lived there? Me and four others. Wow. Okay. so what's going on here is this is that there's also the other the other avenue right here where it says you choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Who's been on the righteous living side? All right, there we're getting better. We're getting there. But listen to me. I can tell you this much. The righteous living is so much better than doing it your way and living in bondage and slavery to sin. You don't wake up with regrets about the night before. Ever. Ever. You, you don't you don't every day, man, you you live knowing that, man, what's up? I am in right standing with God. I've got peace. I've got joy. Stuff happens. But guess what? It doesn't matter because I am in my heart. I'm right with God. I, I'm living under the shelter of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. And, I'm, and, 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 and there's nothing in this world that I would trade for that. There's no amount of money. 
that you could trade me for what Jesus has done for me. There's not a there's not a person in this world that has enough money. There's a there's not anything, no pleasure, no sin, nothing that's worth giving up what Jesus has done for us. Freedom is not free. Jesus spilled his blood for it. Man, and 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 you know I, I I've been doing this ministry thing, pastor thing for 12 years now. That's Katie and I moved here in 07. Of course, been raised in ministry and church, you know, my entire life. 33 years now, almost 34. Don't tell nobody. That's it's getting up there now. But what I'm saying is this, is that one thing that I hate to see is people repeating the same cycle. What? Why do people keep repeating the same cycle for two years, three years, five, ten years in? Seeing people tripping over the exact same object, stepping on the same Lego ten years in a row, tripping over the same thing, running into the same wall. What is up with that? Why would somebody, because that's somebody that hasn't received their freedom in Christ, and they're still, the devil's still just running them in circles. Running them in circles. And, and I despise that. I hate to see that. I don't like to see somebody keep getting beat up by the exact same circumstances. Don't they realize the last time they chose money over God, they nearly lost their family? Don't they realize the last time that, that they sacrificed their family? The last time that, 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 that they gave up? The last time... That they committed and then looked back and, 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 then, and then just broke their commitment to God. Don't they realize that it set them back an entire year of life? And yet they keep doing the same thing. I'm not judging. I'm crying, man. It hurts me to see people keep repeating the same thing when Jesus is standing right there and saying, Man, my God, stop it. Just follow. I, I paid the price, man. Get out of this. I'm here for you. Take my hand and follow me. And, and, and so many people, we've seen this. Have, I mean, we acknowledge God with our mind. We, 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 we acknowledge God. We nod to God. We show up. And, and, and yet, in our heart, we're still holding on to things that are setting us back, that are tripping us up. What does Hebrews 12 tell us? It says to lay aside every weight, especially the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run our race with patience. Let us run our race with endurance. And so what I'm talking about today is getting free and staying free and never going back to that abuser, never going back to that slave driver, never going back to that one that's tried to control your life for all these years. This is the day for those that want it to be the day because Jesus did his part. So the second thing I'm going to say is this. Is that there's three reasons that we're talking about why whatever X may be in your life doesn't own you. Well, Jesus beat Satan. So X has been exposed as a liar and a coward. And I mean that. Whatever X is, you find out later on that, wait a minute, that's the, that was it right there? That's the thing that was screwing my life up? You know, I, I, as you look at history, it, it's, it's strange so many times the guys that were like the biggest villains in the world of that generation, we eventually catch them and you realize, man, this guy was a sissy. He was a coward. He wasn't really what he what everybody thought that he was. You know, you look back at, at World War Two, they found Hitler. He he killed himself hiding down there in a bunker. Coward. 
You, you know, and, and he terrorized the entire world. You look at, you know, I remember right after I graduated high school, they caught Saddam Hussein hiding in a hole in the ground. This guy that every everybody thought he was the big bad, and here they are, he's hiding in the ground like a little sissy. If you're so big and bad, why don't you step up there and, and you know, take on the troops hand to hand if you're really all that you want everybody to think you are. I remember when they got Osama bin Laden a few years ago. They said he, they, reportedly, he was hiding behind some of his wives, letting them take bullets for him. What a coward and how shameful and disgusting. And yet the whole world was afraid of this person. And I'm telling you, when you realize what a coward and a liar that Satan really is, you're going to think, man, why did I let this punk rule my life? Why did I let this guy spin me in circles for all this time? He's nothing. And when you especially have a revelation of what Jesus did to him, you really realize what a nothing that he actually is. Not every Christian gets this. I'm going to share some verses here, and I'm praying to God that at least 75% of this crowd gets this. That may not seem like I'm shooting very high, but I, I want, if I could get three quarters of the people in this room to understand these verses right here, I'll go home feeling like a true champion today. So I want to show you something here. Colossians 2, verse 15. Please listen to this. Colossians 2 and verse 15. Who's glad they came to church today? Man, I'm glad. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Colossians 2.15. I'm going to read this in the King James first of all, because that's how my pappy taught me when I was a little boy. And then I'm going to read it out of two other translations. I've got... Thousands of verses memorized in the King James because of my dad. So almost every verse I've memorized, I've got it right here in the King James. But Colossians 2.15, this is talking about when Jesus fought the devil. It happened, folks. It happened. He died. And then Ephesians tells us that when he died, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. That's hell. Jesus, not everybody gets that. Not everybody wants to believe that. Jesus died his body went into a tomb, his spirit descended down, and there was some battle that took place. And let me show you something here. In Colossians 2.15, it says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Principalities and powers, that's the devil and demons. It says he went down there, he spoiled them. He made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. And so what you got to realize is, especially in Old Testament times, whenever one country would beat another, you didn't want to just kill their king right off the bat. You wanted to put the captured king on a horse and ride him down Main Street and let everybody laugh at him and throw rocks at him and spit at him and embarrass the former ruler. You wanted to spoil him. You wanted to absolutely shame him. The king that you conquered. And so you, you see this in some of the Bible stories or study other history from that era also. But they would camp, they would beat that country. They would take their king. They'd beat him up, put him on a horse and parade him down the street and let everybody, little kids, women who spit on him, throw stuff, make fun of him, call him names and everything, make an absolute spectacle out of the defeated king. Well, let's look at this verse here. 
in the Message Bible, and, 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 and then I'm going to look at it in the Passion Translation, but you're going to find out that Jesus, he's loving and kind, but when it comes to war, he ain't playing around, man. He's like Rambo or something. He's down there like Chuck Norris handing out some, some smack down to some devils. And so, in the Message Bible, it says, we're talking about when Jesus went down, he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross and marched them naked through the streets. Come on, somebody. Jesus went down there and he didn't play nice. He didn't say, would you please leave my people alone? Gosh, please give me the keys. Come on, cough them up. He went down there and did something about it. Come on. And then the Passion Translation says, Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. And so it says right there, he stripped them of every weapon, of every authority that they had, and he paraded all of them through the streets of hell in front of their little buddies and friends and and said, this is what happened to them, and you're next. Come get some if you want some. And that's what Jesus did for those three days. He went down, and there was a fight for the ages, and Jesus won. And at the end, he came up and when he came back into that body, there was such force, there was such power that the entire earth shook and there was an earthquake. And in that temple, there was a big old curtain, thick, and it ripped from the floor to the ceiling in half. And it shook that tomb open. And that was the power of God, of the spirit and body being united and Jesus being resurrected. So, you were bought with a price. It wasn't money. Nobody wrote a check. Nobody, you know, and there was no coupons. There wasn't a buy one, get one free. Jesus paid for me, so now he gets Raul also in the exchange. There was no coupons. There was no discounts. It took the very blood of the best person ever to pay for everybody else's mistakes. He did it. And then he went down to hell and he fought that battle. You know, a lot of the... The, you know, this is, sounds a little off topic, but a Christmas song that I really like is God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. And a lot of the Christmas songs, especially the really good ones, were written a long time ago. This was written in the 1500s. But one of the verses that, that, I, that I really like about this song, because there's so much truth in it, it says, Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save the world from Satan's power when we had gone astray. But man, Christ was born on Christmas Day. Why? To save the world from Satan's power. Because no doubt about it, he had a, a, he had some power. He had a lot of people in his death grip. And there's still a lot of people that, by choice, are within his power. But Jesus came to save the world from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Amen. That'll give you some joy right there. If you feel like you don't have a whole lot to be joyful about, right there's something to be joyful about that Satan doesn't own me anymore. I'm free to do what Jesus has called me to do. If he called me to go 
spread the gospel all over China, then I'm going to go do it and nothing can stop me. If he called me to raise the best family Barstow's ever seen and to change this city, by golly, I'm going to do it. And nobody's going to stop me. If he called me to change the life of if he whatever he called me to do, Satan can not stop it. Amen. Luke chapter four. Let's look at Luke chapter four, verse 18. And here's what Jesus said about himself. Luke chapter four and verse 18. Luke four, 18. Man, I, I love being free physically. Hallelujah. But I also love being free spiritually, mentally, emotionally. Every category of who I am, I love having freedom. Nobody and no thing will own me or control me except for the fact that I willingly submit my life to Jesus and say, have at it. Luke 4:18. And here's what Jesus said about himself. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Well, if you're poor today, good news. Jesus is anointed to come and provide a way out of that that poverty and that lack. You don't have to be poor. Some people criticize us for saying things like that. Don't say, listen, I'll talk about that all day long because that's one of the things Jesus said he came to do to bring good news to the poor. What's good news to somebody that's poor? Grin and bear it, son, until you die. No, it's that you don't have to be poor anymore, man. You don't have to live like that. And so Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news, to bring the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. The blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. If you've been oppressed, if you've been a captive to anything, Jesus came and he said, oh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to set you free. I've been anointed. I've been called. I've been chosen right now to set you free from whatever it is that's held you back in life. And when you get this revelation, I realize not everybody's getting it. But to those of you that are getting this in your heart this morning, nothing can ever Bind you, hold you back, mess with your mind ever again, unless you let it. The only reason that you're not free today is because you're choosing to not be free. Well, that ain't nice. That's not fair. It's the truth. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so, one of the verses we just heard said, "You're you're a slave to whatever you choose to obey. The only reason that we're not living in freedom, it's not because we need Jesus to come and and die on the cross all over again. We need somebody to pay the price for our sins all over again. The only reason that somebody in here is not free is because they haven't really got this in their heart. And they're choosing to not walk in this. And so, well, hey, there's this book. I don't think we have this one in the bookstore. Pastor Kenneth Hagin Jr., he was Katie and I's pastor when we lived in Oklahoma. He wrote this book called The Prison Door is Open. Why Are You Still on the Inside? And just the title right there is like, pfft. think about that. Imagine 
that you've been in prison, you've been convicted, whatever the case is, you've been living in there rotting away for years. They open the door. The door's open. It's swung right open. You have every right to step out on the inside. And you're just sitting in there. The door's open. You're free to go. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know right now, man. The door is wide open. The price has been paid. You've been pardoned. You have every right. Yet I see so many people that have become very comfortable in their little prison cell. They put up doilies. They've got, you know, they, they sip tea. They, they eat biscuits. They, they've got a little bed prepared. And, and, and they're, they're so comfortable inside of this little box of oppression. They've just accepted it and learned to cope. When Jesus came in, kicked the door down and said, let's go get out. I'm here to rescue you. The Marines have just showed up and kicked the door down. Get out. And yet we're sitting in there. Oppressed, depressed, possessed, whatever the case is, sitting in there, repeating the same thing over and over and over and hoping that you'll get a different result. And we've all heard it. By definition, idiocy is repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You keep trying the same. It's locked. It's still locked. I'm going to try it again. Maybe it's maybe it's unlocked now. No, it's still locked. Well, I'm going to try that one more time. I'm, I'm going to run into this. I'm going to try this again. I, I'm going to I'm going to go over here. And no, same thing still happening over and over. You're running in circles inside of your prison cell. The devil's on the outside laughing, pointing, throwing things, whatever. And Jesus is saying, stop and follow me. I got follow me. Let's walk. Let's get out of this situation. Are you seeing what I'm saying? The door's open. The price is paid. You're free to go. Why would we stay there and still accept it? The only reason that I would be oppressed is if I didn't really have this revelation and I was letting the devil continue to do it to me. But that will not happen anymore, will it? That's not convincing at all. That will not happen anymore, will it? Somebody get this. That you don't have to keep going through it. And the third thing I'm going to say is this. Is that Jesus is bigger and better than X ever was. But, but I like this. I, 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 this, is, this is what I do. And, and I'm comfortable with this. Jesus is bigger and better and he has better for you. Jesus is saying, you give me that nickel, I'll give you a hundred dollar bill. But I like this. It's mine. I, 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 this is what I do. And, and he's saying, no, I'll just take my word for it. Trade what I've got for what you're holding and I'll absolutely rock your world. I will change everything. Just hand it over and I'll give you this. Hand me that little, hand me that little thing that you think is, is doing it for you and I'll give you my joy. That will be your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hand that over to me and I'll give you the peace which surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Do you see where we're going? Do you see this? That we're holding on to the same thing and Jesus has bigger and better for you. And one thing I've noticed in my life and in plenty of your lives is that the X that you're holding on to makes a really crummy substitute for what God's original plan was. 
Well, I thought God planned every day of my life out. Why is it going like he did plan every day of your life out, according to Psalm 139? Then why did this happen? Because the plan that he had was on this way. You went off that way and then bad stuff happened. But if God, if God has planned everything, he did plan it. He had his plans. He said, for I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, to give you a hope and a future, to give you prosperity. He, he know, he did have his plan. The reason why it's not happening right now is not because he changed it, because according to Romans, the gifts and calling of God can never be revoked. His plan is still there. His call is still there. What he wanted for you is still there. The reason it's not happening is because you took a left in Albuquerque, like Bugs Bunny said. You decided to go some other way and then wonder what hit you. But the good news is you can always come back. You can always get back to what he has for you. But quit substituting what he really has for you. Accept what he has. Proverbs fourteen twelve. Proverbs 14, 12. What I'm trying to say is Jesus has true joy available for you, but you're trying to substitute it with temporary happiness. Somebody you been there. He has he has joy, which is so much better than happiness. He's got true joy for you, but you've tried to substitute it with your own made up happiness. He's got peace for you. But you've tried to substitute it with the feel goods. You've tried to you've tried to substitute something else for what he really intended. But I want to show you something in Proverbs fourteen twelve. Proverbs fourteen twelve in the King James it says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Have you ever found yourself in a bad situation and then you, you traced it back to the decisions that got you there and you're like Man, it seemed so right at the time. I don't know what happened. It seemed like a really good idea. You know, I, I look at these memes on the Internet of reasons why women live longer than men. And, you know, they have different things of guys doing stupid things like stacking ladders on top of each other to change a light bulb, which sadly, yes, has happened here before. But in Jesus name, no more. But but, you know, just, just guys doing stupid things, you know, and 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 really women do live longer on average than men. And. And, and, and you see this and, and oftentimes we do something really dumb. And then later on, you're like, man, it seemed like a really good idea at the time. I, I mean, it seemed like I could stack two of these ladders on top, these metal ladders on top of each other in a swimming pool and then change that light socket out. And nothing would happen. And then I blew up and I, I don't know what happened, but I, it seemed really good. And, 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 and here's kind of what happens in our life. There's a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so many of us, we're going with, well, it, it seems right. I, I know the scripture says this, but man, this really seems like I could make a whole lot of money if I did this. Now, I know it says to not serve any other gods before me, but my God, this this is a big paycheck. Come on, man. I, this is great. I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take this way. The end thereof is death. Well, I know the scripture says that, man, you need to marry someone before you start having relations with. You need to marry someone before you. But man, I really love this one. And and I, that, that's old fashioned. Can I tell you some of the biggest ridicule I've ever got in my life is when I told people I was marrying this woman and we had never lived together. Christians came out of the woodwork to tell me I was crazy. 
But here I am in three weeks celebrating 15 years of marriage and they're on their fourth marriage. I, I, I was 18 years old, got down on one knee. I had $400 in my savings account, cleared it out, went and bought a wedding, an engagement ring, got down on one knee, and I went to work the next morning at FedEx and told all my friends, guys, I got engaged last night. I expected, oh, congratulations. I heard, what? You're, you're, you're crazy. You're, have you, I know how you go to church four or five times a week. I know you guys aren't sleeping together. What is wrong with you? How do you know you're compatible? Well, I don't know, genius. God said for 6,000 years to do it this way. All you bright ones came and found a better way. And now the divorce rate is whatever percentage it is. They thought I was crazy and they made fun of me. And, and I even had one lady tell me, hey, when after you file for divorce, come and see me. Here's my number. What? How mean and how psycho is that? How crazy. But here we are. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. So I just went ahead and went the way that the Bible says is right. And it's paid off beautifully. Fifteen years, four kids, 300 wonderful people that seem to love me. I don't know. But what They act like they put on a really good front. But anyway, whatever the case is. And so I'm not, I'm not putting condemnation. I'm not on anybody. But what I'm saying is Jesus has better than what you think. Jesus has a better way. The blessing of the Lord, Proverbs says, makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. There's no sorrow when we do it God's way. Proverbs 14, 12, King James. Let's look at it in the message. It says there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. But look again, it leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. Man, that's, there's a, that's a powerful verse right there. That's a powerful verse. It says, all that laughter will end in heartbreak. I want to look at it in the Passion Translation. It says, you can rationalize it all you want and justify the path of error you've chosen, but you'll find out in the end that you took the road to destruction. We can rationalize it. We can justify. We all do that. We try, I do that. Try to justify the dumb things I've done and rationalize it. But it doesn't change anything. I still took the path to destruction. Trying to, and, I, and, and there you are. There I am trying to justify. I know this isn't what I meant to happen, but, but by golly, she made me do it. He made me. Here's what happened. And we try to justify and rationalize it. But Jesus is bigger and better. And what I want to show you is this, is in Proverbs 3, just flip back a couple of pages. I want to look at a verse that most of us know and we probably just let it become some cute refrigerator verse that we put on a magnet on our refrigerator. But it's it, this verse right here. This is where it's all at. This right here is where it's at. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Because I'm telling you, whatever it is that's tried to hold you back, and there is something, whether you'll look at that or not, whether you're willing to look at that or not, there is something or someone that's tried to hold you back and control your life, whether it be rage, fear, envy, greed, lust, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is that's tried to hold you back, there is a way out. And here's this verse that we've heard our whole lives. I've heard it my whole life. It's so elementary. It's not deep. 
But here it is. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. But I did that, and it didn't work. Then no, you didn't. Don't lie. Nobody likes a liar. Well, I resisted the devil, and he didn't flee. Then no, you didn't. I mean, people say these things. Well, I tried that verse, and it didn't work. Then no, you didn't. Because God is not a liar. If he said, if you trust in me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, if you'll just acknowledge me in all your ways, I'll direct your paths for you. Then you don't have to worry about it anymore. If he said that, then that is the absolute 1000% truth. But if all of us could just be honest, me, you, all of us, we could probably say, well, you know what? I've trusted in the Lord to a certain extent, but not with all my heart. It says, lean not to your own understanding. Well, nearly everybody I know leans 95% on their own understanding and 5% on, well, you know, but listen to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. I know what God is telling you does not make sense. I know what His Word says. I don't always understand every bit of it. I'm just flat out with you. I mean, I've been through Bible school. I've got three Bible degrees. And I'm not saying that to, to exalt me or anything. I'm saying there's still things that I don't fully understand, but I've learned this much. I better just obey it whether I get it or not, because there is a darn good reason that he said it. Lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him. And he'll direct your what what better what a there's nothing better in this world than God straight directing your path. So don't you just turn left this way and just gonna go straight for the next while and then go this way and just follow me, I got this, just do exactly what I say, and you you're you got it. Well that doesn't sound like that it could happen, and it does happen for people that obey this elementary, basic, this isn't deep, this isn't some this is so simple. Yet Most of us, just we lose sight of it. But what I'm trying to throw out there today is this. Is that whatever it is that has been the X factor in your life. It doesn't have to be anymore. You don't even have to pray for Jesus to go beat it up again. He already did that. Okay, He did that a couple thousand years ago. He did his part. The door's open. You have to do your part. You have to walk out of it. You have to receive that freedom. You have to submit yourself to God. And there's a whole lot of people that think they have, but they really haven't. And so, whatever that is today, whether it's just been laziness for some people, whether it's been just straight up being selfish, straight up being whatever, lay it down today, man. Walk, Shoot it. Walk away from it. I don't care. Leave that mess behind you. And watch what God, can you imagine what God could do in Barstow if there was just one church of this size that had people free from that ex that tried to control them, free from the things that have tried to hold them back. If there was just one church of this size that had people that trusted in the Lord with all their heart for real and leaned not into their own understanding for real, but in all their ways acknowledged him, all their ways in every area of their life, they acknowledged him. And God directed their paths. 
I guarantee you some of the stuff we've seen happen even in this community over the last season, you wouldn't be seeing that mess anymore. You wouldn't be seeing that anymore. Listen to me. Today's the day. I'm going to ask you to go ahead. Let's go ahead and stand up here. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.